Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. On Yahoo Sports Radio. I want winners. Well, our first guest, Bill O'Brien, enters the second season as the Houston Texans head coach, coming off a seven-game rebound from the 2-14 and 14 team he inherited a year ago. But successful rehabilitation jobs are nothing new to him. As you know, Bill took over the emotionally battered Penn State football program in 2012 following the Jerry Sandusky scandal that cost Joe Pertuno his job and somehow, some way, found a way to keep his players focused to finish 8-4, and four, an accomplishment the one Bill O'Brien, the Paul Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Award. He's known for his sharp offensive mind. He was the de facto Patriots offensive coordinator in 2009-2010 before finally and officially getting the title in 2011. And during those years, the Patriots went 37-11, finished sixth, first, and third in scoring, and reached the Super Bowl in 2011. He's 24-16 overall as head coach, the next likely star of HBO's Hard Knocks reality TV series, and a guy we hope is staying dry and flood ravaged Houston. Bill O'Brien, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Billy, when you agreed to uh, uh, go to Penn State, uh, you know many felt this was a potential uh, coaching death sentence. You had a great deal in, in New England. You were a hot commodity. Uh, you were following the legend, of course, of Joe Paterno, plus you had all the fallout from the uh, ongoing Sandusky scandal. What made you take that job uh, of all jobs, and what made it look inviting? Well, I felt like I was ready to uh, be a head coach. My wife and I, Colleen, we talked about it a lot. We knew that it was a tough situation, but it was also, as it relates to college football, a great, uh, great college football job. You know, it had the combination of uh, really good academics and, 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 you know, in many ways it was a football school, meaning, you know, football was like a big part of that, uh, that university's history. And so, yeah, there was some terrible things that had happened there, like horrendous things. But at the same time, you know, I felt like it was an opportunity to go in there and help uh, help resurrect it and see if we could win some games. And it ended up being a good thing because I really met a lot of great people. I was able to coach a lot of great kids. Uh, and, and I think we, we kind of bridged the gap to kind of where they are now. But, uh, yeah, it was tough in the beginning, but never never looked back once we were there. Bill, you had a chance to return to the NFL after that first season. With all the NCAA-imposed restrictions, few would have blamed you. Why on earth did you stay? <laughs> uh, you know, I felt like having been there a year, I just uh, I didn't think that uh, it was time to leave. I felt like uh, it was too soon. Maybe, maybe some people would look at me and say, well, two years was too soon. But I just felt like after one year, it was definitely too soon. And we, we were in the middle of trying to, like I said before, um, you know, get back on an even playing field. And we were a long way from doing that when it comes to scholarships and going to bowl games and things like that. But I felt like we had made some inroads in that first year, and it just wasn't the right time for, for, for me to leave at that point. We're with Houston coach Bill O'Brien on the Talk of Fame Network. And Bill, a follow-up question on that. Uh, if that wasn't the right time, a, a year later, it seems like it was. What about the Houston head coaching job made you change your mind in 2014? Yeah, I definitely definitely changed my mind you know I, I think that it came down to uh, uh, the ownership here in Houston uh, Mr. McNair you know when I spoke to him he had a vision for this this team and and, and it was a football city you know this is a uh, a city that that uh, loves football obviously a, a, the state of Texas is uh, 
City really wants a winner. And I, I felt good about that. I felt good about the roster. I felt like there were some really good guys on the roster. You know, obviously J.J. Watt, and there were some other guys that uh, on this roster that I felt we could build around. And so, you know, my wife and I, we talked about it again. You know, I keep bringing up my wife. You know, you guys that are married, you know that. That's a big she runs the show, so you got to figure it all with her. <laughs> sure. so, but, you know, we felt good about living here. I think one thing that people, you know, may not know about me is, you know, my oldest son, Jack, is uh, severely handicapped, and we felt good about his opportunities here in Houston with the medical center and some of the special needs schools down here. So, you know, we, we did change our mind and we uh, from, from 2012 to 13 and, and decided to make the move, and, and uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah, I'm wondering. You, you you mentioned your son Jack, and uh, and he has had a lot of struggles, and is a uh, really the essence of a of a fighter. What if anything, you know, have you learned from watching him, Billy, that puts football in any kind of perspective? Because let's be honest about it, most of you guys uh, don't have it in a very good perspective when it comes no, to football. No, no, we're all we're all crazy. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> My wife said today, I tell you a quick story, and then I'll answer that question. But I was, you know, I woke up and. You know, I kind of slept through. There were bad thunderstorms, obviously flooding 4.30 in the morning. She said, uh, where the hell are you going? I said, well, I'm going to work. We've got our first OTA today. She said, you're not going anywhere. There's floods. She didn't know that it wasn't quite as bad where we live. I said, well, no, I, I got practice. She goes, I don't think you're going to be able to practice. So I left anyways, and as I'm going out the door, she says, off to save some more lives, 5 in the morning, saving lives. You know, <laughs> thinking <laughs> football coaching, you know, sometimes you're right. You know, we, we do – uh, you know, we put a lot into it, and, and we want to win so bad that sometimes you do lose perspective. But I think in, in, in my life, uh, my oldest son has given me great perspective, Ron, because every day's a struggle for him. You know, it's a struggle to to eat. It's a struggle to communicate. It's a struggle to walk. And, and so I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to do the best I can here in Houston. I'm going to have fun doing it. Uh, we're going to have a few laughs. We're going to play hard. We're going to compete. Uh, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is that I'm doing the best thing for him and for my other son, Michael. You know, that, that kind of gives you a lot of perspective when you think about it in those terms. Bill, you have a quarterback battle between two players you're familiar with, Michigan State's Brian Hoyer and Michigan's Ryan Mallett. What goes into the process of selecting one over the other beyond the obvious advantage that Hoyer is from my alma mater? <laughs> <laughs> I like Michigan State guys, too. They're well coached. Okay, he's a Michigan State honk, Billy. I'm just telling yeah. you. Okay, all right. And there's the MSU um, Barchid band playing. He just came into the studio. There it is in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> okay, good. Bill, which, which quarterback? Yeah. So one of the things that we wanted to do here was um, when we looked at our roster after the season, we felt like uh, we had a chance to – bring in two quarterbacks that were going to have to compete for the job, but two guys that could really throw the football, that knew our system, and that we were comfortable with as far as their leadership, uh, their their good locker room guys, their ability to come in here and kind of adapt to the players that we have. We have we're familiar with these two guys because we, you know, a couple of us have coached them in New England, and and so we felt good about it. And these guys have come in and in the first five weeks of the off-season program. They've really done a good job of all those things. And now, you know, we have to go out there and put it on the practice field and then obviously pick a guy probably, you know, towards the end of the spring, maybe maybe at the beginning of training camp. We're not going to let it last too long before we name a starter. But 
they're, they're competing right now and they're doing a good job. And I think it's helping our team to, to watch that competition. You know, they, they, they're, they're gaining a lot from it too, the, the rest of the team. So, uh, Brian and Ryan are doing a good job. Houston, Texas coach Bill O'Brien is our guest on the Talk of Fame Network. And Bill, on that subject, what do you look for in a young quarterback? And, and how do you avoid comparing him to the one you had in New England, Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't compare, um, any, any, anybody to Tom Brady. I, I, I think that uh, if you start going down that road, then, then you're going to end up in trouble because, you know, Tom could do so many things. Uh, you know, obviously he had a great skill set. He could throw. He had really good feet. But the thing that, that made Tom so good was his mind. He had a great, uh, I always say he had, a, he had really just unbelievable brain power when it came to football and being able to process the play and make the right decision within two to three seconds. That That's hard to find. So you're not out there looking for that. You're kind of looking for some of those qualities. And and uh, and what we found in, in Brian and Ryan is, you know, we have two guys that can, that are smart, that can, that know our system, that can throw the ball. And, and, and I think that have been developed in a way that's going to help us because they back Tom up. So they learn from a guy that's, going to go down as the best of all time, in my opinion. Uh, they learn from a guy day in and day out for multiple years how to do it, and now they're getting a chance to do it. One of them is going to get a chance to be the starter and actually go out on the field and do it. But we're not asking that guy to be Tom Brady. I think you get in trouble when you try to do that. It's just more about, hey, taking the good things you learn from them and then being yourself. Well, I hate to uh, ask you this at all, but we have no choice, of course, uh, Billy. You know what's coming. You know, speaking of Brady and as his former coach and, uh, and an Ivy League graduate, I might add, unlike myself, uh, <laughs> was not. Uh, were you ever an expert in BSI, and uh, are you one now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I am. You know, I think all of us as head coaches uh, are experts in it now, but I'll just speak for myself. Um, you know, I, I didn't know those uh, those exact uh, rules before. You know, again, speaking for myself, I, I didn't understand totally the the uh, requirements for those things. I didn't really understand the process at all of, uh, you know, how the footballs were handled before the games. Uh, I didn't really know that. And now, well, now I know better about that. You know, as far as, you know, what, what went on in New England and those types of things, you know, I'd probably – don't have too much to say about that, but I think as head coaches, we all probably understand the process a little bit better now. A quick uh, follow-up on that, uh, Billy. The Patriots quarterbacks back in the day, I think including Hoyer and Mallett, uh, used to keep a teapot in the quarterback office, as you may recall, <laughs> uh, and they would mark it up from time to time whenever your famous uh, tempter went off like Vesuvius. Uh, <laughs> no, not you. Do Hoyer and Mallett have a new uh, teapot in Houston? And uh, and have you become the Texas version of Mr. Mello? You know, uh, Hoyer just told me the other day that he he brought the teapot with him. Now, I don't know how <laughs> he would do that because you know I I heard that it's still in New England somewhere in some closet in New England. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, you know those guys that was that was started by Tom Brady. You know they they used to actually it might even been Matt Light. You know they could kind of tell. You know, Ron, you know you know me. I'm you know Irish guy from. Grew up in Andover, you know, got a little bit of a temper, you know, whatever. So they could kind of tell when it was about to, when it was about to go off. And I think it was Matt Light would make this noise, you know, of a teapot, you know, whistling <laughs> in the background as it was about to explode. So, 
<laughs> so then Brady got a teapot, and they would write their what they determined were teapot episodes on the on the on the thing, and put it. It was like a trophy in the quarterback room. So they they got a big kick out of that. But but I would say there were a few tempers in the quarterback room in New England. It wasn't just me. Hopefully there'll be no teapot dome scandals down in Houston, Bill. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Hey. Bill O'Brien, thanks for the time so much, and and please do us two favors. Give our best to Hall of Fame selector John McClain, and yep. stay dry, please. Yeah, we will. And John, John, uh, you know he's a living legend here in Houston, and uh, you know he's he's been a good friend. And and I'll tell him you guys said hello. And I, and we're trying to stay stay dry. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> thanks, Bill. Really that was Houston coach Bill O'Brien. When we return, we'll put a little more air into Deflategate. Uh, only from another perspective. This is the Talk of Fame Network.